This is episode number 896 with the sleep doctor, Sean Stevenson. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Buddha said to keep the body in good health is a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep the mind strong and clear. My friends, welcome to this episode. I am pumped because, man, I used to sleep in like crazy when I was a kid. I don't know if you were like me where you slept in until like 10, 11, 12, 1 p.m. sometimes, and your mom would scream at you and rip the covers off your bed and say, wake up, get up, it's time to get up. My mom used to do that to me all the time. But there's something that she had wrong because she didn't know the power of sleep and sleep science and the key to actually allowing your mind to be clear, allowing your body to heal with the optimal sleep. Now, she didn't know I was staying up late. She didn't know how much sleep I was actually getting. She just thought I needed to get up at a decent time, and I would usually stay up too late. I was up to like 1, 2, 3 a.m. a lot of those times. And what I realized is that I didn't have great sleep patterns growing up. I wish I had better patterns. Some years I would sleep a lot, and I remember those years being the most productive in sports and the most alert in school, which was already hard for me to do because I struggled in school. I was in the special needs classes, and it was hard for me to retain information in books. But this is all about the science of sleep. And I'm telling you, sleep is everything. If you want to get, if you want to burn fat, if you want to be smarter, if you want to remember more, if you want to look younger, we're going to talk about the science of all of this and how Sean Stevenson dives into explaining this and the keys on how to have better sleep for yourself and how it affects everything in your life, your relationships to your finances, to everything. It all comes down to sleep. Now, Sean Stevenson is a best-selling author and creator of the Nutrition and Fitness Podcast, The Model Health Show. Amazing show, if you haven't listened to it yet. He's got a background in biology and kinesiology, and he has over 11 years of working with clients as one of the top nutrition experts in the country. And on his podcast, The Model Health Show, he interviews world-renowned experts on the topics of health, fitness, nutrition, personal development, and of course, sleep. And he breaks down Dozens and dozens of research articles in almost every one of his episodes where he reveals the top science for the body, nutrition, and sleep. And in this interview, we talk about the different types of sleep that are out there and how they affect cognitive abilities and memory. So if you want to have a better memory, there's a different type of sleep that you need. Sean's family culture and the importance of being playful, why playfulness actually allows you to sleep better. Why Sean's body deteriorated at 22 years old and how he turned his life around, how food is connected to sleep and the foods can aid in better quality sleep, which ones to eat before bed, which ones not to eat, biology versus willpower, and how to avoid setting yourself up for failure when you're trying to stay healthy. This is perfect for the start of the year, start of a decade, I'm telling you, you need to get great sleep in order to achieve great things in your life. If you want to have energy, clarity, focus, if you want to make sure you make better decisions, if you want to make sure you have better intuition, if you want to earn more, 
All these things come down to having the right sleep. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one and only Sean Stevenson. All right. Welcome back to the School of Greatness podcast. My man, Sean Stevenson up, in the house. It's good been a to while, see you, brother. Yeah, it's been a minute. We had, a, we had you on, you were saying four years ago. I thought it's it was two years. Almost. I know time has flown by. man. It's crazy. Time. So for those that don't know Sean, you are the expert on sleep and more than sleep now, but you are known for sleep. You've got a book about sleep, but you're just an amazing researcher on the body and on human performance and on nutrition, food, training, sleep, and you're doing more on the emotions and everything on how we can perform better as human beings. Yeah. Would I would I say that's about accurate? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. And you just moved yeah. to LA, so welcome. Yeah, you've welcome been tell, <laughs> telling me for years, man, to come yeah. out here. We, we have some stuff in common. I lived in St. Louis for six years. You grew up there. Born and raised. Born and raised, yeah, man. Yeah, St. Louis. I still have 314 area code myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> so I still held that. That's been like 20 years having that cell phone number since 1999. And um, we're here, man. You've done some amazing things. You've got a book on Audible. It's one of the top books, Sleep Smarter on Audible. That's, that helps so many people sleep better. And I thought it'd be perfect going into a new year and new decade to figure out how can we sleep better? What are the, the main keys for sleeping better moving forward? We talked about this on four years ago. What's the same and man. what's updated on how we can sleep better? Yeah. You know, the thing for, for everybody to understand, I think it always starts with us asking the right question. You know, and a lot of us, sleep has become, it's just exploded. And I'm so grateful that, that I was there to kind of thrust this new movement uh-huh. in sleep wellness. I mean, now there's even so many apps that are, that are yeah. podcasts that are just storytelling to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Calm yeah. has like yeah. this series, which is just sleep stories, I think it's called, to help people go to sleep. Because yeah. it's so hard for us. Yeah, and we, now we know, but... Why, is it, why is it so hard to go to sleep? It, it's just the environment that we live in today. And it's looking again at the question, so what is sleep actually? We have to start there. What is it? So this is this thing we're chasing after. We're trying to get more of it. We know it's important. 
But sleep is really, first of all, it's very strange. You know, if you look at some of the characteristics from the outside, it's like you're unconscious. You know what I mean? You lay there for hours. You're vulnerable. (laughs) You're not really moving. Your senses are dulled and gone down. You know, obviously your visual senses are reduced or just none unless you're weird and you have your eyes open. Um, But, you know, even your auditory, your sense of smell, your sense of touch, all those things reduce. And your, but what's different from that in like a coma is that it's easily, you can come out of it if somebody nudges you enough Mm -hmm. or, you know, you have something that goes It's a light coma. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a little a mini, mini hibernation. You're like a baby bear for That's a it. minute, you know? Um, but what, what we see in the inside, and this is what's so cool now, is that we can track and we can study the brain and see what happens. We know you're sleeping based on changes that happen in your brain waves. Mm. And so right now we're in a kind of normal waking state of beta frequency in our brain waves. Maybe a little gamma if we get to like, you know, Bruce Banner like amped up a little bit. But from our normal waking state of beta, we shift into alpha. It's just a slower pattern. And alpha is really aligned with what we would refer to as like getting in a flow state, mm. right? It's just a calm, relaxed state of presence. And we naturally transition into that state when we're getting close to sleep. This is when a lot of creativity can kind of manifest. So when we're getting ready for sleep, we get into alpha. Yeah. Okay. This is why it's said to, it's very good to like, when you first wake up, because you, you go in reverse when you wake up, you know, to you know, focus on your day, your goals for the day. Because, okay, so we move from beta to alpha, and then we go to theta. And theta is a really strong transitionary state. In theta, you're in what what it would be considered if we looked at it as compared to something like a hypnotic trance, all right? And theta. 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 And so this is- when you're asleep. This is when you're not asleep. This is a transitionary state very close to sleep. And when you're in a hypnotic trance, like we were just talking about Marissa Peer, mm-hmm. I was just talking with her the other day, but we're kind of trying to manipulate that theta frequency to kind of get in there deeper in the brain. And to give a good analogy, like kids up until the age of about seven are spending a lot more time in theta. And so you're very impressionable, right? This is where, why kids like believe everything, you know? Right. I'm not gonna throw out any names, you know, Santa Claus and anything like that. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's not real, but you know, like everything is just taken in very deeply. Right, and this is where a lot of our programming that even lasts into our childhood takes place. Yeah. All right, so theta, you're very impressionable, and then from there we transition into delta, and so this is when we know that we're in sleep, and then within our sleep there are four primary stages. We have the big two that people know is non-REM sleep and REM sleep. Right, so REM sleep that's rapid eye movement sleep. This is when you're getting your dream on, mm. and this is when so your eyes literally like are, it is freaky, right? Really? It is just a weird, weird thing. Yeah, so it's rapid eye movement. Your eyes are moving, and that's the best type of sleep. No, okay. I'm not gonna say best. It's a part. Okay, you know we need all of them, and this is the point we're gonna come to. Huh. And so this is when a process, for example, during REM sleep is when you have something called memory consolidation. This is where things that you're learning even right now get converted into your short-term memory, mm. right? So it gets filed away and becomes more of a permanent potential thing in your brain. You need sleep in order to remember stuff. Really? Yeah. And so there's a study recently, and what they did was they had folks to t- do a memory test. And they had one set of the participants take the, the, the study, take the test in the morning, and then they had them to repeat the test at two-hour increments for 12 hours, and then they track their results. Okay. Then they had another set of study participants. They had them take the test, and then they had them just, you know, kind of wait all day, 
get a good night's sleep and then retest in the morning without doing it over and over again. And they performed 20% better on the memory test, only testing once and then getting a good night's sleep and repeating. Mm. All right, we tend to think that we need to keep hammering so we trial we over and over again. We shouldn't again. do the overnight, stay up all night, testing and quizzing ourselves. We should be actually practice for an hour, get a good night's yes. sleep, and hopefully have better results. Yeah, I mean. They're pulling all-nighters. The thing is, you know, we've been in this situation where we're pulling all-nighter because we don't know anything. We don't know nothing. <laughs> we gotta study the whole book. <laughs> so yeah, man, but that's, that's, non, that's REM sleep. And then we have non-REM sleep. This is, it's considered more of the anabolic deep sleep. Okay. This is where a lot of the uh, anabolic hormones like HGH mm. get secreted, mm. right? And it's also known as the youth hormone. So kids have a lot of HGH. Right. Up until around 18 to 20, we have a big, sharp decline in our HGH production. So how do we get more of that? Sleep. You produce the greatest amount of HGH because we secrete it during the day. All of our hormones are based on the time of day. And this is another really important point, hmm. is that we're lined up with nature's clock, but we just don't realize it. Because humans have the unique ability, we can cut ourselves off from it. We can shut all the, the, the blinds and you know, we could just create an eternal daytime in this room if we wanted to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But all of our hormones are getting released in a cyclical pattern. And human growth hormone, our, great, our greatest, greatest secretion or skeet of the HGH happens during sleep. And specifically during that first stage of sleep, when we go for the first time into deep delta uh, non-REM sleep. That's when we're producing HGH. Yeah. We're creating more of it. The biggest secretion happens then. Okay. Yeah. And so if you're not getting optimal sleep, you're missing out on this powerful vital hormone. And whenever I would hear HGH when I first started doing this research, getting close to a decade ago, I would think of Barry Bonds mm -hmm. and like Jason Giambi. Wire. Yeah, yeah. A-Rod. No disrespect. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. disrespect. Marion Jones. But it's because of ESPN, just seeing the highlights in the news. But human growth hormone is something that we produce, you know, within our within our own bodies. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, how uh, do we produce more of it? It's only through sleep. No, no. We could with exercise. Okay. You know, especially like resistance. drivers of anabolic growth. So, mm -hmm. resistance training, but more so like power lifts. You can get a really good power lifting will yeah. produce help produce more HGH. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the benefit, what does HGH do for you when you have? That's more what I was going to go to. So the benefit of HGH, it's not that what we tend to think is that it makes you perform better, specifically makes you bigger, right? That's what we mm -hmm. think. If you see the transformation of somebody like Barry Bonds' body, it's not that it just makes you bigger and you can hit the baseball faster. They already have these skills. It's the recovery. It helps you recover a Big lot time. faster. My son. My eight-year-old son can get out and run, do sprints with us like crazy, where we're just demolished the next day. And he's totally fine. He doesn't feel a thing. He's just producing HGH right? that sleep, baby. He's, he's healing. Just, yeah. You know, he's healing. So it helps with healing. It does help with protein synthesis and also retention of muscle mass. So this is huge. This is something we tend to lose as we get mm -hmm. older, is our muscle mass. And I think it's really important for us to understand when we're talking about body composition, weight loss, fat loss, all that stuff, Muscle is your body's fat-burning machinery, really, that's so on you your frame. You need to have more of it if you want to burn fat. Yeah, because even as we're sitting, we're not training right now, but depending on the amount of muscle mass that we carry on our bodies has a huge impact on how many calories we're burning just sitting mm -hmm. here, you know, our resting metabolic rate. Right. You know, so HGH helps you to retain that muscle that you're out there working hard to build. Mm. You know, so those are just a few of the things. So what are the main lifts that you would say? Oh, man, I'll tell you straight up, deadlift. 
is like it's money in the bank for producing HGH. And you're talking like heavy, heavy, or is this just like if you're doing it, it's 70, 80 percent? I mean, even 80 80 percent is pretty good, you know. Yeah. But I'm, we're talking like getting up there close to your max. Really? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a th- I, for a lot of people. It's like that might be a little bit of fear comes yeah. up. Like I don't want to lift that heavy. I'll wow, tell you right now, for my I've been in this field for almost 20 years. And what I've seen, people don't get hurt deadlifting. People getting hurt picking up a feather. You know, they're like getting hurt picking up a pillow. <laughs> Why is that? You know? Just because our bodies are so conditioned to, to sitting and not performing. And we're not doing the things mm. that kids do that keep them healthy, right? One of those like things jumping is like, on a jumping on the couch or just running around or just picking up stuff. When do we do that? We do it as a kid. And then something we happens and we're just like, you know, our environment starts to say, stop playing. Yeah. Stop playing so much. Mm-hmm. Especially from where I'm from, it's like, leaving that's something we say, you play too much. Wow, you know? that's so true, <laughs> man. You play too much. But it's you so should play good for a you. Lot. You yes. should play a lot. You know what it does? And this is the thing, this is why, you know, both of us love sports. Yeah. It's a dimension of that that's still socially acceptable, yeah. but we love it. You learn boundaries. Mm-hmm. You learn how to communicate in different ways besides just vocally. You learn how to move your body in space and like things like proprioception. This is the awareness that your bo- of your body in space. Mm-hmm. You improve your proprioception, your neuroception, all these different aspects of our bodies interacting with our environment and also our internal environment. And if we're not playing, we're missing out on this vital part of our development. Yeah. You know? What are the best ways we can play, you think, as adults? Oh, man. Is it you sports know, or is it just go out and throw a football or play Frisbee or... What's, what are the activities you think are best? It's such a great question, man. You know, I've been, this is so funny. I've been thinking about this like the last two weeks. I have, so I, I didn't realize I was doing this because I have my two sons live with me. I have three kids. My daughter's oldest. My two sons live with me. I have a 19-year-old son and an eight-year-old son that live in my house. And we just have a culture of like we're dancing every day, you mm-hmm. know, like I don't know why. We just do it. Uh, we're playing every day. Just the other night, my sons, we had, you know, we sat down and ate dinners together. And then afterwards, they were fighting for like 20 minutes. But it was like, you know, they're play fighting. Sure, sure. But, and there's with you being a parent after a while, it's just like, would you shut up? You know, mm-hmm. like, stop. You know, like we start getting irritated. You play too much. You play too but much. then I catch myself like, they're just having a good time. They're yeah. learning how to have those boundaries, how to mm-hmm. play with each other, how to move in space, how to grab somebody and yeah. not hurt them versus hurt them. Right, you know what right. I mean? So, and they're playing, they're having a good time. And I'm the thing is, I'm the one who usually initiates it. I just want to do it for a couple of minutes. Right, though. not for and then an I'm just hour. Like, All right, guys, guys chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's one of the things is if you have children, play with your kids. Is that what's that mean? Play wrestle. One a great exercise is, and what I used to do with my uh, son. I mean, we, you know, we just moved out to L- to LA, so I don't know the landscape as much. But I would take my son to the park, and then I would just follow him. Mm-hmm. And do whatever he does. Whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Just and run just around. Going through the tunnels, climbing stuff. Mm-hmm. I follow you. He's the boss. You know, that's Simon right. says. You that's, know what I mean? I like so that. That's one thing. Okay. By the way, your wife has some like some of the best home cooking I've ever had is with your wife <laughs> yeah. at your place. Yeah. It's amazing. I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was some like casserole type thing. Oh, the casserole, yeah. So good, man. The buffalo casserole. Oh, man, it was amazing. And then she made cookies. And I know oh. we were both like so done. And but then I she made cookies. Cookie, yep. You know what I'm saying? crush those cookies. <laughs> can always eat those cookies. <laughs> that's my downfall, sugar. Yeah. How bad is sugar for sleep? Mm, that's such a great question, man. Because that's the only, I want to say it's the only, but it's one of the, the negatives about me is that I eat too much sugar. 
and then I'll go off it for like 60 days, right? I'm, I'm like extreme. Yeah. I'm all in on a bag of cookies. I can't just do one. Yeah. Or I'll do nothing for a long time. But I think that deprivation can lead to the rebound behavior. Probably, because I'm just like, I mean? now I need it. Yeah, yeah. It's, so here's the thing. So there was an incredible study that was done. And there's, it's difficult to do human studies when it comes to addiction mm-hmm. because of the implications, right? But there was a fantastic study done using... Uh, rodents using mice. And what they allowed the mice to do was have free access to either cocaine or sugar. And they picked sugar. 96% of the time. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. The cocaina is not enough, <laughs> right? They were so addicted to the sugar. And they took- the sugar probably tastes better too, right? They took rats that were already even addicted to cocaine and they quickly progressed and shifted over to an addiction to sugar. Wow. It's that strong. And like we humans, we're hardwired. If we're just looking at our biology, we're hardwired through evolution to mm-hmm. crave and to enjoy sweet things. For our biology, it's an implication that there's a lot of dense carbo- I mean, uh, dense calories there. It's a dense calorie source. Yeah. It's not a- calorie rich, it's not like a healthy calories, right? Right, right, not necessarily, but even the sugar we'd be exposed to through our evolution would be something like, the biggest gift we'd run into maybe was some honey, you know? But today we have everything, 24 seven, it's a whole, we're not, we're not wired up for this exposure, that's the thing. Yeah, and honey was probably like a nice, it was probably so strong and then you just put a little bit on yeah. to add, not like you dumped the whole thing right. in there, like a 
Winnie the Pooh like, or something. Right. <laughs> just like licking out of the jar, because I, I can drink a whole jar of honey. Yeah. If I wanted to, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was so addicted to Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, that was Oh, my, my God, jam. those were so that good. That little bee, man, it was like my bestie, man. Oh, those But were even so when good. I met my wife, and I was like shifting, like, I changed my health, and I'd been working as a personal trainer for like a year and a half. You're but that was my thing. Those. I was like eating organic, whatever, but I had my Honey Nut Cheerios. Wow. It was my midnight snack, right? But and here's so the thing. The milk this is tastes amazing. Oh, afterwards, the oh, milk. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Don't get me started, man. I haven't had cereal in a long time. Yeah. That was one of the things that was the hardest for me to let go of, but that's it's something I eliminated essentially from my diet. And I just replaced with cookies or something else. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy, dude. This, the, the culture, again, that's mm-hmm. the big thing. But just on that point of how does this affect our sleep? I yeah, think it's sure. a really yeah. great question. And so, the first thing to understand is the impact that sugar has on various hormones. If we're thinking about, you know, um, cortisol, for example, yeah. or you know, stress response. And basically, what happens is when we eat a high concentration of sugar, we get this hit, and it feels good. You know, we like we get like a serotonin so nice. hit. You know, and this is why some carbohydrates, like if we are select selectively getting our carbohydrates it can be a good thing mm-hmm. right but it's just when we go too far and we go uh we have a hypoglycemic response mm-hmm. right and so we get a blood sugar spike and then a blood sugar crash and that for us that's emergency to our biology because when your blood sugar goes too low you have reduced brain function and your body if we're talking about survival in the conditions that we evolved in you're not sharp you're tired Exactly, and you can be more of a victim, right? And so, or a prey. And so what happens is you get a response from your uh, sympathetic nervous system and your cortisol levels, uh, norepinephrine, you know, adrenaline, all those things start to spike to lift your blood sugar back up again. So you're not vulnerable. Exactly, exactly. So that you're just sharp and ready and okay and prepared. So you're just, your body's just going up and down all day as opposed yeah. to a steady and maybe a spike when you eat a little bit and then steady and... Right, or but if we're talking close in proximity to sleep, that's going to really mess, mess your sleep up. up. Yeah. So when you know, there's all these different people that talk about intermittent fasting or when you should stop eating by. What does the research say about eating before sleep? Anything, whether it's healthy, a snack, a dark chocolate, a wine—I don't care what it is. Yeah. Is there a time limit you should stop eating by before sleep? And is there certain foods you can eat before sleep that will actually benefit or, or not? Yeah, this is a good question. I've been looking into this for quite some time now. <laughs> so we, let's address both of these things. Yes. Let's address wine, let's address alcohol, and let's address food. All right, so when it, with alcohol, so what we do know is that alcohol does, in fact, help you to fall asleep faster. Mm. This is a fact across the board. Yeah, it relaxes you. Yeah, it's a sedative, yeah. you know, um, and th- that's all good. The issue, however, is that we experience something with alcohol in your system and how your body metabolizes alcohol. It's called a REM rebound effect, Mm. right? REM rebound effect. And so what happens is we go into, earlier we talked about those sleep stages. Basically, you're unconscious, but your sleep stages are fragmented and broken. And so we'll go into a a deep sleep. uh, What are the stages again uh, of sleep? So we're transitioning as, as we go from waking state to sleep, we go from beta, alpha, theta, delta. 
But within our sleep, we have these four stages. So we have non-REM sleep, REM sleep, and some transitionary stages. Gotcha. And so some of these stages, when we're actually asleep and unconscious, get broken. And so our REM sleep is suppressed, right? And remember, REM sleep is where a lot of memory processing mm. takes place. So if you're drinking a lot at night, you'll have less memory. Is that what I'm hearing? Do you know anybody who is drunk before they went to sleep and not remember what happened? Lots of people. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's because of the sleep. So it doesn't, not, matter, it doesn't matter that you got sleep, it's the quality of your sleep yes, that matters. Yes, yeah, and you can literally forget what happened. You know, this whole- So like, many people say that, I don't yeah. remember a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's because wow. their, their REM sleep is damaged. Wow. But then there's a big rebound effect with the REM sleep towards the end of the sleep cycle. If, we, if somebody is like, getting eight hours of sleep, on alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so again, but this is not to say you can't drink. It's just, I would recommend give yourself a little bit of a curfew with the alcohol of a couple hours if you can. Like if you plan on getting to bed at midnight, you know, maybe just stop drinking around 10, mm -hmm. give your body, your body metabolizes alcohol relatively quickly for most folks and you can accelerate and support the process by having some more water. Is there, is there a thing as having too much water before sleep? If peeing is a problem, you know, yeah. Like so many, you know, people come into my clinic and they're just like, you know, I keep getting up in the middle of the night. They don't drink water all day, then they guzzle it before they go to bed, uh, you know. But there are, obviously there are some situations when folks have issues with, you know, their, their bladder and sure, kidneys, sure, things sure. like that. But for but most folks- If you're drinking water before bed and you're waking up once, even once messes up your sleep is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, it can, but I don't want to make a psychological big deal sure, out of it sure, because sure. it's okay. There's even research now, and it's come out recently, just in the last couple of years, about um, humans having basically two phases of sleep. Mm. You know, there's it's okay some to evidence. wake up for a moment and then go back. Yeah. To sleep. So what would happen if we're talking, you know, a thousand years ago? Let's go back even further, ten thousand years ago. Yeah. When folks are, you know, you're living in tribes, you got a hut going, right? Yeah. So you go to sleep, you know. But first of all, we would go to sleep earlier mm -hmm. because when it gets dark, yeah, seven o'clock at night, yeah. safety, right? You're not out and about on the tundra, you know what I'm saying, where the, the lion can see <laughs> right, you, but right. you can't see it, right? You're pretend a cave. Yeah. This is, and even if you think about sleep, because again, like I've been just processing this stuff for the last few years, if it wasn't as valuable as it is, we would have evolved out of it a long time ago. Just if you think about how vulnerable you are, yeah. right? It's just so much magic happens when you're sleeping that we just can't get anywhere else. And so anyways, we would go to sleep when, when the sun goes down, and wake up maybe, so just say somebody goes to sleep at nine o'clock. They sleep until maybe one. You get up, maybe have a little snacky, maybe have sex. Maybe, you know, if you got fire, maybe you write or read by fire. Mm. But today, phone, right? Mm. If we get up, midnight snack, beaming light coming out of the refrigerator. Crazy, right? And, you know, and we're grabbing the bathroom like a Twinkie, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But then you go back to sleep and you'd have time to get another, you know, three, four hours of sleep in addition to that. Yeah. So it's, what I'm trying to say is it's not a problem that we wake up at night. And I've seen so many people get just very, just psychologically troubled. Messed up, but yeah. You know, that I wake up at night, it's okay. It's okay, we have to relax into it and understand mm -hmm. that, you know, things happen, our bodies, but for some folks it is chronic, it's a chronic issue. And it usually has to do with what's happening with their hormones. Yeah. And if we did a hormone panel, we'd see that, a lot of times we call them clinically tired and wired, where even though they're physiologically tired, their body's wired at night. The cortisol is spiking way too early in the evening because your cortisol is actually supposed to elevate mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, like between, you know, like when the sun comes up. Yeah. That's how we are hardwired. Cortisol is not a bad thing. And I, that's another thing I want to make clear today. 
none of our hormones are bad, we wouldn't have them, you know? But it just gets all of the bad press now. But cortisol helps your thyroid to work. Right. Your thyroid is regulating your metabolism. You wanna burn fat, you need cortisol, all right? It's not a bad guy. It's just, if it's produced in the wrong times or the wrong amounts, it could be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, okay. You know, it's kind of, I, I think of it like Hulk, you know, in the Avengers, sure. you know, it's like, He's got a role, but you know he might smash some stuff on accident. He's like giving too much responsibility. <laughs> right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So if we're looking at alcohol, just to go back on that. Yeah. On that two point. hours before, don't be excessive with it. Yeah. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Don't get drunk. Yeah. If you're getting if you're getting drunk, you better believe like it's, you're screwed. It's Doesn't matter how much time you got. Yeah. yeah. The hangover is a result of the sleep damage. Mm. That's really the big thing. Really? Yeah. So if you get a great sleep, you shouldn't have a hangover. Absolutely, yeah. But it's hard to have great sleep if you're drunk. Yeah, <laughs> you can forget, I mean, forget about it. But also, and I know that a lot of people experience this, that you can handle it more when you're younger, right? Yeah, but it's still, you're not gonna remember things. Yeah, I'm not saying that, that part. Yeah. And also we're accelerating our aging when we do stuff like that. Sleep mm. deprivation, I don't know if you talked with her, but I was talking with Alyssa Apple, and so her, her co-author of The Telomere Effect, they, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn, she won the Nobel Prize for wow. the discovery of telomerase. And so telomeres- but you need them to be longer for right. you to have a longer life. Telomerase is an enzyme that can add length back onto your telomeres, essentially reversing the aging process. Right. Essentially, it's very complicated, but just as essential. But what shortens your telomeres faster than anything, apparently, is sleep deprivation. Oh, so if you're pulling all-nighters, you're doing four hours of sleep only, and you think that's cool, it's not cool. It's not cool. You're, you're accelerating the time that you're going to kick on. You're going to die quicker. Diabetes, heart disease. We used to see this stuff in folks who we describe as, quote, in the elderly population, arthritis. Then it started to happen generations younger and younger and younger. Now we even have children who are getting adult onset diabetes. Mm. We had to change the name to a type 2 diabetes, right? Because it's no longer just adults getting it, right? And so just to make that clear, and I know this from experience because this happened to me. I had arth- basically arthritis of the spine when I was 20, right? In track practice in St. Louis, at, I was doing a 200 meter time trial and I broke my hip from running because my body, I, was, I accelerated the aging process so much. Really? Because of the way I was living my life. You, yeah. were, you weren't sleeping well? Nothing was well, <laughs> but a big part of me yeah. is, for me is like, what are you making your body out of? Which we know we get into and talk about another time, but you know, if you're not giving your body the raw materials to build your house, your physical house, it's just gonna do a patchwork job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was, I don't remember you saying that. You broke your hip in practice. At track practice. No, tra- no trauma, nobody hit me. 200 meter time trial, broke my hip. Man, Bo yeah. Jackson up in here. Dude, I ran a, I ran a <laughs> 4 five forty when I was 15. Wow. You know what I mean? Like everything was looking great, but. Just, what were you doing? Man, I was made out of like, true story, I was made out of probably like 5% Emo's pizza. You know oh my what I mean? gosh, like, it's so good though. <laughs> Clayton, Missouri, man, Emo's pizza is so good. Like I, I barely ate, I didn't eat a salad until I was in my 20s. Like I, I didn't eat salad until about five years ago, until my 30s, man. Yeah, but you were sneaking other stuff in though. I was doing you know veggies, I, mean? I was doing other stuff, yeah. but yeah, I didn't eat a salad because I was a picky, I'm still a picky SOB right now, yeah. but it's like every year I evolve more and more and yeah. I try new things, but I figured out a way to make a salad taste great because I never liked the dressings. They always smelled bad for me. But Sweet Green, have you been to Sweet Green yet? I don't think Place so. It's amazing. There's gotta be one by you, Sweet Green. It's kind of like a, just a build your own salad. So it's like I can throw some chicken in there or I can throw something else, but it's got a dressing. I found one dressing that I like. 
Mm-hmm. It's like this cashew, spicy cashew. Mm-hmm. And that made the difference for me. So I'm just like, fill up all the veggies in there and just a tiny bit of cashew dressing. It's like, I'm good. And I try to eat that almost every day. Ooh. So now we know your secret, man. So I'm it's doing, the cashew, I'm, spicy cashew it's a dressing. Little bit of, not too much, because I don't want to be drizzled with calories and all this stuff, but it's just a little bit. And What's in the salad? I, so I put, uh, I put romaine and arugula and romaine or baby spinach. I mix up that three combination. Usually just do two of them. Sometimes I do kale, but it's a little too hard for me now. So I do arugula and baby spinach usually, and then romaine. And then I put carrots, onions, sometimes squash, cauliflower, broccoli, uh, sometimes sweet potato based on what I'm doing. Then I'll put, Ooh. yeah, then I'll put chicken and, um, and a little bit of that cashew sauce. And that's mm. it, man. man congratulations. You were adulting so adulting, hard right, right now, man. But it's like, that's, those are the only ingredients that I'll put yeah. in. But listen <laughs> to the this, same bro. thing over and over. You're, you're winning on a whole different level. So I just, and I've been talking about this a lot recently, but I've been studying the brain for a new project I've been doing. And a recent study, this was done at Chicago's Rush University. Mm -hmm. And they compiled all this data. They had thousands and thousands of study participants. And they found that test participants who were consuming two servings of green leafy vegetables Mm -hmm. a day had brains that were 11 years younger than the rest of the study participants who weren't getting that much in. Wow crazy right so leafy greens every day two servings yeah and this this was done on elderly folks Uh and so you can keep your brain 11 years younger by getting in two servings Mm. two servings a day so let's get back to the um what should we eat before sleep if anything and when should we finish eating before we go to sleep perfect perfect so we talked about alcohol yep yep don't have too much don't get drunk but you can have some wine if you went to a couple hours before don't drink too much water because if you're gonna wake up all the time that's not good either. Yeah, yeah. So what about food? So with food, there's, a, there's contradicting information out there on this, you mm-hmm. know? And so some of the best data shows that having a little bit of carbohydrates for your evening meal, for your dinner. So I'm not saying like eat a chocodile and then go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like, you know, if you have dinner at seven, eight o'clock, Having a little whack of carbohydrates, it helps it produce serotonin. What are the best carbohydrates? Like sweet potato? Well, you just mentioned it. Sweet potato. Uh, I mean, you know, vegetables are carbohydrate dominant yeah, yeah, foods, yeah. but, you know, some a little bit denser, you know, so uh-huh. we could say sweet potatoes, uh, there's quinoa. Mm-hmm. When we get into these things, everybody's different. Well, it's different. Okay, we it can might do a whole grain show free, talking about this. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like saponins in, you know, the uh, quinoa that might be trouble for some right, people. Right, 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 right. It could be white rice, brown rice. It could be, you know, a little pasta, you know. It oh, depends really? on the person. Yeah. There's different yeah. kinds of pasta yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? There's like... That cauliflower pasta. They make pasta out of everything. You <laughs> yeah, know? zucchini pasta. Yeah. Right, zucchini pasta. I think I saw like there's some coffee pasta. I don't oh, know. Wow, man. Really? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. That would be crazy. <laughs> Banana pasta. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you can have a little bit of carbohydrates yeah. for your meal. Fruit. It's another uh-huh. obviously really? carbo dominant, uh, uh, dominant category of foods. So how so, what will that do for you? So this that? this causes a boost in serotonin when we have a little bit of carbohydrates. And so I know the big, you know, there's a big keto movement, which mm-hmm. again is a wonderful framework. I use all these different frameworks in my in my nutrition practice as a consultant and as a nutritionist for again, you know, almost 20 years now. I've been mm-hmm. in this field, but um, it, and I would base it on what the person needed, right? And it's always dependent on you and where you are right now, which might change. And so when we're getting in the conversation about keto, 
you can even have a, um, a certain percentage of carbohydrates on the keto. You might even just reserve those for your evening meal. Really? Right? And so beans could be another one, you know, depending on your digestion, mm-hmm. how the beans are prepared. And so with that said, so serotonin, here's what's so cool about it. Serotonin is a precursor to making melatonin, mm. right? So mm. your body produces this kind of glorified sleep hormone. But man, when we talked earlier about how our bodies lined up with nature, and how our body is secreting hormones on a pattern or cycles, melatonin is arguably the biggest controller of your body's metabolic or circadian rhythm, your circadian clock that's determining when you're producing all your hormones. Mm. Melatonin is not just about sleep. It's about regulating your whole body. That's why there's so many supplements coming out, uh, melatonin supplements that are doing so well, right? But you gotta be careful. Like that's straight up hormone therapy. Mm. You know what I mean? It's such a big regulator controller. And, you know, just talking with the, the bosses in space, you know, talking with Dr. Oz and Dr. Michael Bruce and all these guys and we're having these conversations, we've seen clearly that folks that get dependent taking too high of a dose or taking melatonin too frequently, and here's what we thought. It was just a hypothesis. We thought that like some other type of, like taking exogenous testosterone, it might reduce your body's production. It doesn't pr- reduce your body's production of melatonin, which we got, we got to come back to where this is happening. But what it does is, is it depresses or shuts down your body's receptor sites for melatonin. Mm. So you still make it, but your cells, receptor sites can't engage and receive it and turn on the sleep-related processes and everything else. Okay. Problem, right? So, okay. So it shuts down your body's ability to receive melatonin. And so the great thing is that we do have access to these supplements, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of using them in... Uh, micro doses mm. and or even more so for me would be in spot cases, right? Just use them temporarily. I'm deficient of something, B12 or whatever. It's like take this for a few months until you feel like you're caught to speed. Our sleep is so important with so many things. And so if you just need to get on track, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we just don't want to create a dependency. Mm-hmm. I love it for travel. Like if you're changing time zones, yes. you want to get back on schedule. If you've had a couple rough nights of sleep, you know, maybe it's work or whatever. That's Obotic a great spot. Or something, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So melatonin has its place, but just to go back to where this is produced and why even taking a supplement you still continue to produce is that, and this is crazy because in my conventional university class, I was taught that your pineal gland produces melatonin. That's it. We now know today that mm. there's 400 times more melatonin in your gut, in your belly, than in your brain. All right. So. This microbiome, all the science and all of this discussion happening now, it really is the final frontier when we're talking about health. It's the interface between the outside world and us. Mm. You know, it's like what we're taking and putting in our bodies, that's the most intimate experience in the world. And what's happening in your microbiome determines what becomes you yeah. and what is waste. You know, so that's a whole other conversation. But I just want people to know that that we have to take care of our gut health. Mm. And we'll come back, we'll talk about that another yeah, time. Yeah, but yeah. So melatonin is is tied to all these things, but with serotonin, with getting that little hit of carbohydrates can be helpful for producing serotonin and melatonin in the evening. Now, there was a study that was conducted and they found that when folks who were overweight ate close to bedtime, they had a greater secretion of cortisol, all right? So upwards of like over 50% greater cortisol secretion. All of us, by the way, produce a little bit of cortisol when we eat a meal mm-hmm. because it's a big, like all hands on deck experience. Because again, you're taking stuff from the outside world and putting it in you. Your body got to make make sure that you're safe. It's got to simulate it. It's got to, you know, 
check it all, make sure it doesn't throw it up or yeah. Everything. Like it's so much that happens. <gasps> but if you're the folks who were overweight in the study, who consumed right before bed, had like over 50% higher secretion of cortisol. And the problem with that is that cortisol is kind of like the antithesis or like has an inverse relationship with melatonin. So if cortisol is high, melatonin gets so you're not sleeping well if you're eating right before bed. Yeah. If you're overweight, obese, there's a higher propensity. And this is why there's some efficacy behind the statement of don't eat before bed. I don't like that statement as a blanket statement across the board. I don't. However, I do like the, the research. The research yeah. It's saying, you know, so just to be a little bit more mindful of that. But the problem is like, number one, if you want to have something, have something. Yeah. That's, it's more stressful trying not to have a snack if you want a snack. Mm-hmm. But also, part of the reason we might want to have a snack, you know, at 12 o'clock at night is because we're up, you know, Netflix and chilling. You know you what I mean? You should be asleep by now, <laughs> right? You should be asleep. So that's part of it is just the, our, pro, our, our practices and our culture around food and us not getting the nutrition we need. But it's just, it's our culture around food. And so it goes back to like, you need to be sleeping. A sleepy brain is a hungry brain. Really? A sleepy brain is a hungry brain. So if you're tired, you're hungry? Absolutely. I call it tungry. <laughs> you got hangry and tungry. I think that, that just happened, yes. An angry brain is a hungry brain too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So why is that? Why is a sleepy brain hungry for food? Oh man, this is so crazy. Listen to this. So there was a study that was conducted and it was crazy in what happens with the brain and your nutrition and glucose reaching the brain when you're sleepy. And so across the board, even though we can use ketones for mm-hmm. processes in the brain, we all know this, but there are certain parts of your brain that can only run on glucose. And so what the studies found, what the study found was that when folks were sleep deprived just one night, all right, so one night of total sleep deprivation was used in the study. So that's basically if we stayed up for 24 hours from now until the same time tomorrow, they found that there was a 14, I'm sorry, a 12% reduction in glucose reaching the brain. All right, so this is literally, your brain is starting to starve. And what happens when that happens, when we go back to that evolutionary perspective, it's danger right? All hands on deck, cortisol response, adrenaline response. It is a dangerous situation. And they found specifically 14% of that carbohydrate reduction or glucose reduction reaching your brain cells was from the prefrontal cortex. So that's the most Mm. human part of your brain responsible for executive function, social control, distinguishing between right and wrong. So your ability to even choose whether or not to eat a food is dramatically reduced because your brain is like starving. If you've ever had ice cream, if you've ever had cookies, if you've ever had a candy bar, your brain knows hardwiring, I can get a dense source of glucose to shoot it back to my brain because I need it. And so that's when we get into a battle of our biology versus our willpower. Your willpower is gonna lose out eventually. Mm -hmm. It's true. You know, even for the toughest among us. You know what I'm saying? So, but why stack conditions against yourself? And we do that when we're sleep deprived. And so, that's what I want people to know is that it's not, a lot of times these things aren't necessarily your fault when you're trying to battle it out and not eat a food. It's because our brains are usually, a, t- a tired brain yeah. is a hungry brain. Wow. So what would you say is, your, is the optimal evening routine or the one that you do? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Great question. It's, it's evolved, you know what I mean? And that's what I want people to take away too is that you can change. There's so much cool stuff that we can do today. Yeah. You know, you got meditation, you got journaling, you got Tai Chi, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, all yeah. this stuff you could do. 
playing board games. There's that cool, have you played the heads up? Oh yeah, it's great. Right, you know? So you've got all these cool things you can do to hang out with your friends, you know, uh, spend time with your significant other. How do we fit it all in? Well, you don't have to do everything or you can do each thing in a micro way. But so for me, my current evening routine is, number one, just kind of the hallmark thing for me is giving myself some tech-free time Mm. before I go to bed, before Mm. I lay my head down. At least 30 minutes. Yeah. We all can do this. And Harvard researchers have confirmed, I talked about this, and I've pushed this into culture like the last five years hard. So if people have heard this, you know where it came from, all right? I've been really working to get this out here. And we've got them right here, man. We got the new iPhone. It's got three cameras. Sick, dude. It's fun to play. It's amazing, with, right? But this this device is the greatest deterrent for our sleep quality yeah, today. So bad. Know? And so, Harvard researchers confirmed that the light exposure, blue light specifically, and white light that kind of shoot out from our devices that we can't really see if we're sitting here and we have this light around us, this ambient light. But if you're in a dark room and you see that phone, right? It's like emanating like this bluish alien light, right? And so what they found was that this light does in fact suppress your melatonin secretion and dramatically increases cortisol. Mm. And they got numbers on this. So what they found is that approximately every hour you're on your device at night, you suppress melatonin for 30 minutes, all right? Every hour you're on your device, you suppress melatonin for 30 minutes. So if you're on your device three hours, melatonin suppressed for 90 minutes. Wow. Right? And so again, even though you might be unconscious and go to bed, and you're, you're not aware anymore, you're not going through your sleep cycles efficiently. So that's what it's really about, is optimizing our sleep cycles. Yeah. And we do that with the way we live, live our lives. And so just to go back on that point with me, just so 30, 30 minutes, minutes, at least no phone. Yeah, at least. I ideally, we want to see more like 60, minutes. You 60, know, 90. Yeah, I mean, then we're like, that's like this, ninja we level. get into that place of like, what do I do though? read a book, you hang out with your friends, you go to bed. Some people just aren't trying to hear that, man. You so, know what I mean? so that's no phone and no TV? Yeah. So no, you can't watch your show or your movie? You can't. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a couple of hacks. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I'm you sure put a lot of people know this. the glasses on. You, you got the blue light blocking glasses. Yeah, yeah. You've got blue light blocking apps for your phone. Like it's built into the iPhone now. Mm-hmm. You know, and folks who have an Android, they have like a night shift. I'm sorry, um, what is it called? Twilight yeah. is another thing. Uh-huh. I believe that's what it's called. Okay. You know. So there's some things you can do. Yeah. So there's things that you can do to kind of reduce that experience. And for many folks, and I know myself included, I definitely do feel like sometimes even it's a neuro, neuro association, just putting, putting the glasses on, excuse me, I would um, get sleepy. You, you know do. what I'm saying? Yeah. Just by putting the glasses feel it. on. You're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chilling out. Yeah. Or we can also, you know, dim the lights around us, maybe even change some bulbs, a couple mm-hmm. of bulbs in your house. Candlelight, mm. that's sexy. You know what I'm saying? So you just change, and then we evolve with those kinds of lights in the evening, yeah. those, those tones, right? These kind of warmer mm-hmm. colors. And so that's what, that's what I do. I give myself a 30 minute curfew. Mm-hmm. I really love to just kind of take some time, hang out with my wife, we'll talk, you know, I'll do some reading. This is when I, you know, but we've, again, like we've got, it's a light dimmer, yeah. lights a little bit dimmer. I'll do at least probably 10 minutes of reading, 20 minutes sometimes if we're not you know, spending some time together, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we have that, and then for me, I love if I get a chance to do a magnesium bath wow. in the evening. So this is, a, this is a big one, man. So magnesium has been found to be responsible for over 650 biochemical processes in the body. Many of them related to 
relaxation and sleep. All right, so magnesium is needed to like contraction and relaxation of your muscles. So the relaxation response of your muscles, like if somebody's cramping, that kind of thing, magnesium helps a lot. Wow, okay. All right. So, but also it relaxes your nervous system. So you, it helps to shift over from your sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. Magnesium helps to shift you into the parasympathetic rest and digest part of your nervous system. Yeah. And so people have been doing this for centuries. Like Epsom salt baths has helped to improve sleep and uh, relax sore muscles, help you to heal faster, all that stuff. It has some credence. Now we got some like supercharged magnesium salts. and Really? So you do this almost yeah. every night? No, a couple times a week, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> even once a week could be good. Yeah, what I have also, I have a topical magnesium spray. Wow. So I use that almost every night. Mm. So I'll just like massage, rub that in. And that's another thing that you could do too, get a massage, all right? If you can, Before sleep from your significant other or self-massage, you know, there's even acupressure points. And I talk about this in Sleep Smarter because I'm very analytical in how I think. I'm like, ah, uh, you could like touch a point and you know, it's, but there is some evidence that this, you know, they did this in a clinic. I'm sorry, in a hospital. And so what they did was manipulate this acupressure point and they saw higher levels of met- melatonin metabolites in their urine by manipulating this pressure point. So it's, it's doing something with melatonin. Right, right. But with massage, you produce endorphins, mm. serotonin, right? So this all helps with that relaxation response. I don't know anybody that's ever gotten a massage and like God numbers, like, I'm so ready to fight now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. You just want to chill for another few yeah, hours. Yeah, that's it, man. Okay. You know? So if I can, you know, my, my wife, like, I, I massage her feet, or if she wants to massage my feet, that's so great, man. By wow. the way, or I got like a little tennis ball, and I'll just like put that on the floor and rub that around on my feet, mm. you know, the bottom of my feet. Um, so there's another couple of things, and so some of these things are not as consistent. Consistent things for me is screen curfew, reading, time with my wife and magnesium, mm. those are my things. And no food at a certain time probably, right? Yeah, I don't even think about it because I'm nourished and I don't have a hungry brain. So if I eat, you know, we finish eating at, you know, seven or eight, whatever it is, like I feel good. Like I don't need to jam any food before bed. Um, but the other thing I do as I'm walking into the bedroom is I turn the thermostat down. Make it cold. Yeah, and I, you, we, we've talked about this before. Yes, and so 69. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep it at, man, every night. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's, it is, you know, and this is, goes back to that evolutionary process, evolutionary biology. We have a natural drop in our core body temperature at night, one to two degrees. Yeah. And what the theory is, because again, like a lot of stuff we don't know specifically why, but is that our body uses a lot of energy to try to keep us, keep our temperature up. So by bringing that down a little bit, more energy is being dispersed to do things like memory consolidation, like detoxification of your brain mm. via the glymphatic system. Like um, there's like a changing of the guard that happens in your gut microbiome. Like all this energy is needed to bring you back better, yeah. right? And so if your environment is too hot, no matter where you live on the planet, whether if it's like Chile uh-huh. or it's, um, you know, um, Antarctica, yeah. it, it gets, well, that might not be a good example, <laughs> but during the daytime, and during the nighttime, the temperature is different. Yeah. The temperature goes down a little bit at night, no matter where you are. And so if you artificially keep it high, your body's gonna kind of be trying to fight to mm. bring itself down. So help it a little bit. Today, we do have access, a lot of us, to regulate our thermostat. Yeah. At least, you know, like during this time of year here in LA, like you can get down, you know, 50s and 60s, like you can just open a window, Yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, so that's what I do. I turn the thermostat down or turn the heat off if it's been on. Sure, sure. Yeah. Amazing. So that's your evening routine. 
what else do we need to know about sleep? I, you know, we've talked about sleep sanctuaries and making sure you have the snake plants and all these other things. <laughs> do you still do the snake plant? I have not got, we just moved, so I haven't yeah. gotten my whole thing optimized, except like we got some blackout curtains, because yeah, yeah. I, you know when you came to my house, like we were out in the woods, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was dark. It was dark, dark, You darky, don't need blackout, right? you got, you got. It was, <laughs> like, you know, maybe a little moonlight, but that's, our bodies, we evolve with that. You know, that's a natural spectrum mm-hmm. of light, and the lux is so much less than what's beaming out of your telephone yeah. or the sun. But now, you know, kind of, you know, we're like in a neighborhood, so I got some blackout curtains again. but. Something else that I would, I think people would be interested in is still the buy-in. Like, why does this matter? Why should I be looking at optimizing my sleep yes. for 2020? Yes. yes, You know, like this is a new decade. This could new be the decade. best decade of your life. But it's also with all these opportunities and work harder mentality and be more productive, you're going to get less sleep, less quality sleep if you have that mentality as well, right? If you're like, so many opportunities, it's a new decade, let's crush the decade, that type of thinking could make you hurtful in sleep, right? When you said crush, yeah. I immediately thought of Gary Vee. Of course. And he's like the guy. Everybody seems like, you know, he's, you know, he's out there just, just dominating. His thing now that he's out talking about, he gets seven hours of sleep a night. Yeah. I talked with him maybe four years ago. We're having dinner. And this is when this is Beard Gary Vee. Yeah. I don't know. He did this little moment of beard. Yeah. And so, and I was just like, inquiring like, hey man, so what's with your health practices? Like you're trying to play the long game, you're talking about buying the Jets, how are you gonna do that if you're, you're dead? Yeah, if you're yeah, dead. Yeah, if you're dead. <laughs> D-E-A-D, dead, dead, dead. Yeah, exactly. So what he was like, you know, he's hired a trainer yeah. to travel with him because he like, he knows himself uh-huh. to keep him accountable on that end and he gets his sleep despite what people think, right? right? And so just keep that in mind, the people that you're looking at and the people that, even the ones that are saying, you know, sleep is for suckers, I promise they're sleeping. I promise. They gotta be. You can't operate, or and also they might not be sleeping enough, and they're not reaching their full potential. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, be very careful about that because what you want to do, you don't want to just execute. You want to be the very best version of yourself to get up and execute. You can accomplish so much more when you feel well. I think I saw Steve Harvey talk about he he mentioned something. He said I think he said sleep. Sleep is for those who are broke or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Did you see this? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think he said something like that. I don't like know that. if that was Steve. It might have been him. Yeah. Was he, that said him this, said that? he said this recently, or I saw a video came up about a month yeah. ago where he's like, sleep is for, for broke people. For broke people or yeah. something like that, where it's like, you got to work harder yeah. than people if you want to make money, right? You got to spend extra hours and things like that. But yeah, again, like I know a lot of these people be man, sleeping, who have though. these messages. And even, you know, another really good friend of mine and yours too, Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. right? He's another person, you know, out there. But what he, and he shared this. And he's like, I wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. But he right? goes to sleep early. Like we've been, we've been hanging out for a long time. He's asleep at like 8, 8, 8 p.m. Right. or something, right? He's, yeah. he's knocked out, all right? But he's getting up and grinding, right? He's get, when he's up, he's trouble. So his thing is sleep, get enough sleep, but don't sleep in. Don't oversleep. Yeah. Don't be lazy. Yeah. That's the difference. It's not don't sleep. That's killing yourself. And that's, you're not showing up as the best you as we kind of gone through today. Is there too much sleep? Absolutely, yeah. We can, and I know that many of us have experienced this where we, maybe we sleep longer than normal and we're tired. tired. Like we're super tired when we get up and we're like tired for a while. And a big part of that is just kind of even how we're interrupting our sleep cycles. But that's a you know, really unique conversation. What is the optimal amount of hours for most people 
who live busy lives, who are pushing the envelope on work, family, activities. They're doing a lot of things. Yeah. They're trying to fill it all on their plate, you know, achieve their goals and, and do everything. What would be the optimal amount of hours of sleep for those types of people? I'll tell you right now that eight hours is, is not enough for some people. All right, for some people. For some people, it's six. For some people, it's seven. For some people, it's nine. It depends, man. It's the answer that nobody wants to hear yeah. because, you know, these so-called experts are like giving people these cookie cutter mm-hmm. uh, answers like you need to get eight hours of sleep. I think that's wildly negligent to tell people that because you can come, become neurotic about something that you don't even really need. What it really boils down to, if you're getting eight hours of shitty sleep, for me, I liken sleep minutes to calories. Like today, most people are well aware that it's not just the quantity of calories, it's the quality yes. of those calories. Yeah. For same thing, it's the quality of those sleep minutes, not just the quantity, right? So you can get like, if you're looking at, um, what did I mention earlier? Ch- a chocodile, yeah. right? Versus wild caught salmon mm-hmm. or, you know, Lewis's salad. Yeah. Is there a name of the salad? <laughs> I should call it uh, Lewis's the, gr- salad. the Great Salad or something. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a custom <laughs> bowl. It's <laughs> greatness bowl. <laughs> yes. The salad of greatness. Yes. So a chocodile versus a salad of greatness, it's going to have wildly different impact on what it does to your metabolism. Yeah. Right? And so the same thing with your sleep minutes. You can be getting like eight hours of chocodile sleep because of your blue light exposure, mm-hmm. because of you not uh, tapping into thermal regulation, because you having uh, issues with blood sugar regulation and listen goes on and on and on. Some of the things we talked about, or you can get an incredible optimized version of that sleep that only takes you six and a half hours where you're going through your sleep cycles efficiently and you're waking up feeling like a beast, Mm -hmm. right? The answer is it depends. The quality of your sleep and who you are and what you're doing right now. Because there are times in your life when you know you've had to sleep more. Right. If you're like somebody's training for whatever, your body just needs a little bit more sleep. Maybe you're under a lot of stress, whatever the case might be, it's going to change. Then we have to honor our bodies. Obviously, I'm a big fan of routine because your body's always looking for routine. But when you're up, life is dynamic, like things are going to happen. And so I allow myself to change my sleep schedule a little bit. And I try to stay within a nice framework. Mm-hmm. But if something's going on, like, and I know that I'm stressed, like, man, you know, like I really need to back off. I need to recover. I don't need to push it down more. And this also just comes with experience too. Sure. You know what I mean? So that I can wake up recovered and get back on my grind. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, but just a little quick thing that I wanna share with people, that's like another big buy-in point, is that our sleep quality affects our appearance, right? Specifically, you know, are everybody, nobody's waking up like, you know what? I just want to be super ugly today. Like as ugly <laughs> right, as right. possible. You know what I mean? I want to scare children. You know what yeah. I mean? And there was this really cool study that was done recently. So this was just in 2017. And the Swedish researchers, and what they did was they had study participants take a picture after a full night of good sleep. And then they had them take a picture after sleep depriving them where they're getting about five hours, five to six hours of sleep for two days. All right, so they sleep uh, deprive them for two days, take their picture again. There's a mixture of pictures that uh, these raiders, the people who were rating all the people's beauty. And what they did was they looked at all the different pictures. And this is looking at what's happening in our brains, just again, through evolutionary biology. When we see people, we get feedback. 
Yeah. And what they what the scientists were wanting to do was to find out does sleep deprivation cause a hesitance to want to be around somebody? Wow. All right. And so what the raiders found was that when people were sleep deprived, they were deemed to be less attractive. Mm. They were deemed to be less healthy. And they also decided, like, I would be less interested in socializing with this person. Okay? Wow. Just in two days of sleep deprivation. And another study by Swedish researchers found that just five days of sleep deprivation, you know, just getting less than six hours of sleep, led to 45% increase in fine lines and wrinkles in the face. It aged you wow. very quickly. But the good news is it reverses not as quickly. It rebounds. Yeah. Wow. It's called beauty sleep. Why don't we talk about this more? <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? It's, it's called true. beauty sleep for a reason. There's there's real rejuvenative magic in this. In sleeping. You know what I mean? And so looking at how we feel about other people and how we're showing up in the world, like your sleep has a big impact on that. And tell people about sleep debt. You ah. mentioned this before. If you've If you've gone 25 years of just horrible sleep, can you oversleep <laughs> for 20 years? 25 that years, that's a long time. Well, I like, you I, know, a few years, five years, 10 yeah. years. You know, if you've been bad in your 20s and you've been yeah. partying late nights and you're yeah. a promoter and you get horrible sleep every night, can you rebound and put more sleep in that bank debt yeah. and recover? And the way that we think about sleep debt, it doesn't work like that. Mm. Um, the good news is, again, this kind of goes back to the conversation about telomeres. Uh -huh. Once we change our habits and our practices, you can do things to start to reverse that aging process in some aspects, right? By lengthening those telomeres, by doing good things for your body, which includes getting more sleep. So you burning the candle at birth in, both ends or burning the telomeres at both ends, <laughs> you can reverse that process. Okay. That's the good news. That's good. Now, in the context of sleep debt, so if you're, accumul if you're just sleep deprived for, you know, just say you're going like months at a time, getting, you know, four or whatever hours, your incidence of heart disease is skyrocketing, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, all this stuff is going up, chances are you're not gonna make it very far. Some people, that, even people listening are like, well, I, I'm fine. You gotta be careful about that. Now, that sleep debt is a lot to pay back. If it's like a day or two, maybe three, four days at the most, mm -hmm. and you kind of catch up, you know, uh, you know, maybe on the weekend, that can be helpful. But it's still like you're not getting back as much as you're taking out, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So the best strategy is to get high quality, for the keywords, high quality sleep more consistently. And then if something happens where it throws you off, like, you know, you go out, whatever, you know, like you got an event for a couple of days, all good. But guess what? You're going to probably be pretty destroyed and you're going to want to sleep more every day. Of course. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? But if you're constantly dipping into that bank account, you can't readily pay it back yeah. as much as we think. Got it, man. Dude, this is awesome stuff. Uh, and you cover a lot of this in your podcast, your book. Where can we find your podcast and, and listen to that? Yeah, I mean, we're, they're listening to this amazing podcast. They'll find my show. It's called The Model Health Show. Yeah. And we've been, I think we started like maybe six, seven, eight months after you. Okay. And so we've got- so I'm about to be seven years, end of January. Yeah. So you're like six We're coming years. up in six years, yep, yep. Wow. And so what we do is we create master classes on specific yes. subjects. So whether it's- Obviously, sleep wellness or mm -hmm. uh, metabolism, fat burning, uh, natural treatments for you know things like depression and diabetes. And then I really strive to bring on the very best people in the world in their respective fields of health yeah. and wellness. And so um, we do master classes where it's solo episodes with me, and we bring on the best people in the world. And it's amazing, man. It's a really great yeah, time. Yeah, it's a great show. I love it. Thank it's you. It's really powerful because you break down all the research that you're finding, and you, you kind of share people with 
all the science and the proof of these things, yeah. which I think is powerful. You're not just sharing ideas or thoughts, you're really digging in. So, And you've got some other projects that you're not talking about right now, but we'll have you come back on sometime and talk about those things. Talk about everything, man. So we'll have to, now that you're here in town, we'll have you come back on more. Let's share the, uh, the three truths, because I don't know if people probably didn't hear you four years ago, all my new audience members. So I don't even know if I asked you this yeah, last I time. I don't know, man. Maybe. I think so. So imagine it's your last day on earth, many years from now, and you've created everything you want to create. You've done all the research, the books, the podcasts, whatever it is, you've done it all. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all of your work with you to the next world, heaven, wherever you go, right? Yeah. Uh, but you get to leave behind a piece of paper and you can write down three things you know to be true about your whole life experience. Of all the lessons and truths that you know that you'd want to share behind, what would you say are your three truths? Mm. Well, what's coming up for me, the first thing is that this might sound a little strange, love wins. Mm -hmm. That's what's coming up for me. Yeah. Love wins. For me, over these years, man, I really believe that our relationships are the most impactful thing on mm -hmm. our health, on our success in life, on our ability to you know, problem solve and to, to just be happy, our happiness mm -hmm. quotient. It's our relationships. Sleep is amazing, but our relationships affect our sleep. You <laughs> right, know what I'm saying? True. So I think it's just a huge governing force and, and love wins, you know, and finding ways to not try to win, but to love more. Mm -hmm. you know? So that would be one. I hope that makes sense. Love wins. Uh, number two would be, wow, this is tough, man, is, is self-care, you know? Yeah. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can show up as the best version of yourself for the people that need you, you know? Um, there's a big culture today of, you know, pushing yourself to the limit, sacrificing, this word sacrifice, sacrifice yourself so that you can do good for the people that you're trying to help or, you know, even do good for the world. But the word sacrifice is from a root meaning to make sacred. Mm. Right. And so if we're making sacred the, the craft of um, taking care of oneself so I can be the best version of myself, I don't really see it as a sacrifice. Like if I'm getting to bed early, if I'm skipping out on the party a little bit early, it's not a sacrifice. It's a sacred practice for yeah. me so that yeah. I can be the best me possible. Sure. So um, make sure that you're focusing on self-care as you move into the future. Yeah. Uh, so that would be number two. And number three would be to laugh as much as possible and have fun, mm -hmm. you know, be with people who make you laugh, cultivate humor. I came from a place where there was a lot of, it was crazy, man. Like people from where I'm from, you can have post-traumatic stress syndrome, you don't even realize it. You know, the sirens, the gunshots, the violence, when you go outside, you don't know what's gonna happen, you know what I'm saying? It could be a nice day, everybody's out playing, shooting, shooting hoops on the crate, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, you know, it could be a drive-by, yeah. you know, and you got a drug dealer right next door. And, you know, those are my idols, you know what I mean? And um, coming from that environment, and I think part of the reason that we made it out of those circumstances and did it gr somewhat gracefully is that we had laughter, you know, we still had laughter in our household. Yeah. And, you know, even though like, even, you know, my, my family members that weren't necessarily the best role models, we still had laughter, mm -hmm. you know, and just being able to, to play, have fun, and so I think it's super important. And also just as we move into this next decade, mm -hmm. you know, I think that laughter, humor, smiling, kindness, these are going to be the things that really help to bring us together. We got enough stuff bringing us apart, you know, but if we stop taking ourselves so seriously and understand that we are just a cell 
in this incredible body that we call Earth. And our job is to be a light, you know, and to, we have the ability to light up any room we go, yeah. go into. And I've just literally yesterday ran an experiment and, you know, it's like the holiday season around this time. And I was just smiling at people, whether it's in the store, just people driving by in the parking lot, boom, smiles. Nine times out of 10, smile people back. smile back. Yeah, man. It's a responsive, reflexive thing. And we, and then they can carry that on to the next person. That's it, man. So, I love that. For me. I love that. So instead of saying you play too much, <laughs> or don't play too much, say you don't play enough, right? Yes. <laughs> Keep yeah. playing. Keep playing. <laughs> Why are you playing? Keep playing. Keep playing. <laughs> I like that. Awesome, man. Well, I acknowledge you, brother. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate all the the research that you that you you spent so much time on to give us clarity and peace of mind because these are scary topics and ideas that there's so much noise out there and we don't know what's true and, and what's not true and we don't know what to do. There's usually too many options, too many things to try. So thank you for creating clarity, creating the research and the foundation for us to have routines and simplifying all this mess. So I acknowledge you, brother. Thank you, man. I receive uh, that, man. Thank yeah, you, Yeah, of course. Okay, final question. What's your definition of greatness? Ah, my definition of greatness Coming from where I come from and, you know, I went to the other extreme. I just started to give myself my time, my energy to everybody else. Yeah. And I kind of lost myself. And I was trying to find like enlightenment and, you know, I was doing all this meditation. And I was brought this concept of non-attachment. And I believe that a lot of my suffering was a result of my attachment to, you know, my kids, my wife, and, you know, my family members, all the people that I wanted to serve. And... And I get the concept because without as much attachment, you experience less suffering. Yeah. I decided to consciously attach myself to my wife. It's not a, it's not a ignorant love and attachment. It's a, it's a chosen, decisive, intentional attachment. And so for me, greatness is loving somebody more than anything else you wow. can imagine. I love her so much. Wow. I would, of course, like many of us feel like, you know, we're jumping from a bus for somebody, but I, more so than give my life for her, I want to live for her. Wow. You know, so that's how I feel. That's, that's what greatness is to me, you know, is um, being able to live fully and completely for somebody. Mm. Sean Stevenson. Thanks, brother. Beautiful, man. Appreciate Thank that. You. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sean Stevenson. If you did, if this is your first time here, subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We've got over 6,000 five-star reviews, and we'd love to hear from you. So every comment, we'd love to sh see your comments and share them with our internal team and let other people know how much you enjoyed the School of Greatness podcast. If you've been around for almost seven years now, then... Make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet and leave us a review as well. We'd love to hear anyone's thoughts and ideas on this episode and on the show in general. And also share this with a friend. If you know someone who wants to feel better, be healthier, be fitter, lose weight, earn more money, have better relationships, have better sex, all that, then send them this link, lewishouse.com slash 896 to listen to this episode on the science of sleep for ultimate success with Sean Stevenson. And share with your friends on social media. Tag me, at Lewis Howes, over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. And tag Sean Stevenson as well. And let him know that you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube.
Make sure to subscribe to all the different places we're at, YouTube, over a half a million subscribers over there. We've got some incredible content we post there. I'm on the TikToks now as well. So if you love TikTok, I'm at Lewis over there on TikTok. And uh, we're just trying to build this thing into something that is a powerful machine of inspiration to bring hope, to bring clarity, to bring insights, resources to you, your friends, your family, and to the world. So please share this with your friends and let's continue to stay connected. This is going to be a massive year, 2020, and I'm super excited about what we have coming up, the people we have coming on, the topics, what we're going to be diving into, all of it. This is going to be amazing. So I'm so grateful that you're here, and I'm so glad that you enjoy the School of Greatness. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. We welcome you into the community. This is an incredible community where people from all over the world have a growth mindset and you are part of this community now. So welcome. And again, please leave us a review and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to check out Sean Stevenson, all that he's up to. Check out his book. It is amazing. I will have it all linked up on the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 896. And also, I want you to go to greatness.com. Check out greatness.com. We are launching something very soon over there. Go over there. Opt in and be a part of the launch of something really exciting we have coming on over there at greatness.com. So check that out. And as the Buddha said, to keep the body in good health is a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep the mind strong and clear. Take care of yourself today, this week, this year, this decade. The body is all you have. You've got one body and it dictates a lot of your life. It dictates your mindset and everything else in your life. So take care of yourself. I love you. I hope you know that. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.